Welcome to the Writer at Work podcast. Ms. Catherine M. H. and Kit Boyer are your co-hosts. They will be bringing you updates on their journey to becoming full-time authors, as well as writing advice, book reviews, and information to help you on your road to authordom. Join these authors as they work on their writing careers. Welcome to the Writer at Work podcast. I'm Miss Catherine M.H. And with me today, I have my co-host, Kit Boyer. And we are going to be talking about poetry in this wonderful craft episode. So let's start with um, what is poetry? Because if you know me, then you know I'm not the biggest fan of writing poetry myself. So what is it? (laughs) Uh, Great question. Uh, Poetry is just fancy chopped up prose. Uh, And prose is just slightly fancier regular writing. So... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> you, I, I'm not a poetry expert, but when I think of the difference between poetry and prose, I think of extended use of metaphor. I think of using uh, a lot of flowery or figurative language. I think of the, the form might be different. Uh, and maybe you break the sentences up, punctuation changes, capitalization changes, um, the way that you read it in your head is different, or the way that you read it out loud is different from if you were just reading like a paragraph of a story. And usually poetry is a little snippet of something. It's an experience. It's a little like a vignette, something short and small compared to something more prosy, which could be a short story or a, um, a short story or like a novel, it wouldn't be like that usually. You know, there are epic poems, but if we're not looking at epic <laughs> poetry, which still has the form of poetry, uh, then I think most poetry is is going to be a snippet of something. Got you. So <clears throat> because you and I have talked about poetry before in the past, I know that there are different types of poems. I have tried to write different types of poems. For me, poetry equals death. And I mean that literally in the sense that all poetry is always written about death somehow. Or I write poetry and it's about death. So what would you say is your favorite type of poetry to write? Ooh, um, I mean, like, I really like form poetry. I think that it's really cool to challenge yourself to fit whatever you're feeling into a form. Uh, But I mean, just contemporary poetry is is great. Uh, So in terms of like the way that it looks on the page, you don't have to follow any specific rule. You can just put it on the page how you feel it. So if you feel like there should be a line break, you put a line break there. If you pause before you say the next word, that's a good spot for a line break. Or if you take a a breath between one idea and the next, that's a good spot for a stanza break. Um, So just basically that, in terms of content, poetic content that I think is really valuable, I can't really do like, I mean, I have, I actually just did a contemporary, like a, 
a piece that has to do with something in the news recently. Um, but I never feel qualified to write about what's happening in the world right now. So I don't really read that very often. Uh, but it is really cool when people can do it well without making it seem like, like, I don't know, <laughs> like annoying or something. I really like poetry that uh, incorporates something bigger. So a, a human experience and then also something bigger than that human experience. So a specific thing, but also a very general thing. Uh, I don't have any good examples of what that means, but maybe taking a myth and recontextualizing it, making it more about something that's happening right now or to an individual person, but also something that happens to people in general. I think that's always really cool and people can do. Okay, cool. Hmm. So if you are writing it or somebody is writing it, poetry that is, how would you get better at it? Good question. Uh, I mean, critique. You bring your poems to a critique group. You meet up with them or you go on Zoom or whatever. I have I have a poetry critique group that I lead on Zoom every other Monday. I'll plug that down below probably. Please, if you're interested, it's virtual. Just it's, I don't know, 8.30 p.m. right now, Eastern. Uh, Mondays, every other Monday. Anyway, uh, poetry critique groups are extremely helpful. Uh, they, the other people in the group read it, they give you feedback, you get to see what a reader, a regular old reader would think of your piece. Also, if you go regularly, they'll get an idea of who you are as a writer and a person, and they'll be able to give you more specific feedback based on like, what you usually do, or what you usually write about. And that feels really great that someone sees you, knows what you mean by this, or knows kind of what, where you're trying to go, and they can help you get there. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, that's one of the ways to get better. Another thing, I mean, I have a, if you're doing self-critique, I have a little list that I will talk about. Let me pull it up. One second. How dare you not have it ready for my <laughs> questions that you didn't even know what they were. I thought I had this already pulled up and knowing that I didn't, <laughs> I feel such a fool. Such a fool. Uh, realistic life of us ADHD yeah. people. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, okay. So if you, and this actually, this list goes for both if you are looking at your own work and also if you're looking at someone else's work. And these are just starting points. These aren't like, this isn't the end all be all list. This is just a little starting point list. So if you're trying to figure out how to improve your poem or how to, you know, what to look at, where even to start looking at yours or another person's poem, this, this list can help. So what are the opening and closing lines like? Do they make sense? Uh, does the first stanza feel like it's good as a first stanza? Do you need to cut the first couple of lines in that stanza? Do you need to shift that idea to the end? Do you need to cut the entire thing? Uh, so basically you just look at the opening and closing lines or opening and closing stanzas and see if they are where they're supposed to be and they make sense for the rest of the poem. Sometimes when you write, you start off writing one poem and you end up writing another poem. So the first stanza or the first few lines might not <laughs> might not make any sense. And sometimes when you're finishing a poem, you want to tie a bow on it. You want to make it very obvious what you're talking about. And you write, you know, something too on the nose at the end 
and that can usually be deleted. So look at those two things and see, does this poem still make sense without those lines or without those stanzas? Or does it make more sense with those stanzas in different places? Uh, the next thing you can look at are themes and motifs. Do you have a through line in this poem that means something? Uh, is it just about nature and how it feels to be on this path at this specific time of day, at this specific time of year with these people or alone or whatever? Uh, if it's about something like that, do you follow that all the way through? And would it feel more meaningful if you added another theme? So like, it's about being on the path at this time of day, at this time of year, but it's really about, you know, feeling alone, even though you're with someone else. Or it's really about how climate change is affecting everything, even just like the walking path that you've always walked since you were a child or something like that. Like, is there something more you'd like to add? And motifs are repeating, uh, let's say, ideas. So are there any rep repeating ideas in there? Like uh, the color red or um, a certain smell or, or flavor or something, or even just a word that you keep repeating. Maybe you use it differently each time. Um, do those things make sense? Are they overused? Do you repeat them too much? Because in a poem, especially shorter poems, you don't want to repeat the same thing too often because it, it really, really shows. You can, you know, because it's so short, it's taking up so much space if you repeat it. Um, but motifs are important, themes are important, so do they make sense in there? The next thing you can look at is cohesion. Does the entire piece, every stanza in it, relate to the other stanzas and make sense together? Are there any stanzas or lines that you can cut because they're not really supporting your theme or they don't really have the same vibe as the rest of it or they don't support the overall vibe? Um, the next thing you can look at is line and stanza breaks. I already said this, but I, for when I write, <laughs> when I'm not writing in a specific form, I like to, if I'm not playing with words, you know, I like to do a line break where I would pause between words. And I like to do stanza breaks where I might take a breath or think of a new thing. Basically, like, where would you put a new paragraph, you know? Um, so look at the line and stanza breaks and see if those make sense to you and play around with it. Play around with whether you, you know, if you have a line and then the next line is, is related to that first line and isn't related to, it's like very specifically related, maybe try tabbing that in. Make, you know, a small, small indent or put, you know, two spaces at the beginning of that line and see how that feels visually to you. Um, the next thing you can look at is emotional response. What is, this is usually for other people's poems, but you can do it for your own as well. What's your emotional response to this piece? Do you feel something emotionally deep in, in your heart when you read this? Or is it just kind of like, meh, like, oh, that's a nice piece about something that I don't really care about. Uh, that's something to take note of either for yourself or for the other person. Um, because, you know, you might be writing about this happy time, but your, your, your colleague reads it and they're like, this is a really sad piece. This happens all the time with me, with my kids. <laughs> when I have them read something I've written, I'm like, look at this. It's so, you know, such a sweet, happy poem that I wrote. And they're like, just like everything else you write, mom, this is actually sad. And I'm like, how? And then they point it out to me and I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. It's not sad. It's, it's, Sometimes I write bittersweet things, most times. Okay, so it's not just sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
then you look at the overall meaning and your your interpretation of the piece. Like, does this say what I wanted to say? Did it surprise me when I wrote it? Because I thought it was going to be about this and, it, and it's actually about that. What is the overall meaning? Like, when you read someone else's poem, sometimes it's difficult to figure out what they mean overall. Like, what are they actually trying to say? Are they trying to say something about society or the world? And what is it that they're trying to say? Um, but I think it's really, really valuable if you can to try to do an overall interpretation of their piece and say it back to them. Say, you know, I, I read this, you know, and I, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about this and this, and then this happens. Does that sound right? Is that kind of what you meant by it? And they'll tell you yes or no. And, and that can be really helpful because if you're way off on somebody else's poem or somebody is way off on yours, you can be like, okay, like this, you know, I need to change some things and you can help the other person, you know, through that. Like, oh, okay, I see what you mean. Maybe if you changed this line or this word, it would be more clear that that's where you were going with this. Uh, the next thing, the shape of the piece and white space. Um, the shape basically like, how does it look on the page? You know, that's, I, I don't really have anything else to say about that one really. How does it look on the page? White space is the same thing. Like, are you using the page well? Or does it, is it just a big block of text? Is it, is it an ugly block of text? Does it reflect the theme? If you put a bunch of words on one line and make it really long, does it feel faster or slower to read that? If you have something scary happening and you put spaces in one word on each line, does it feel like a creepy, dripping, ominous, you know, sensation? Does that, does that come over you? Or is it more just like, it, this doesn't make sense that these words would be on different lines and why is there stanza break after each word? You know, th think of how you use the space, how you use the page. Uh, the next thing to look at is rhyme and meter. If you are following a form or not, you need to look at whether or not your lines rhyme. And you can do rhymes within a specific never. line. You said never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of poems would be good for rhymes. Like a lot of a lot of times you not a lot of there are occasions when rhyme makes complete sense. If you're writing a poem for children, you want it to rhyme because they'll remember it easier. If you're writing a song, mm. It'll be easier for the people, you know, the the audience to remember the lyrics if they rhyme. Um, you can do, like I said, uh, rhymes that are inside of a single line. So, um, so that can be quite clever if you're able to do that. Or even just like uh, consonants and assonance. So having similar uh, consonant sounds or vowel sounds in the same line can be good. Uh, or at the beginning of the line, or or anything like that. Uh, meter. Oh, what's? Oh, go ahead. What's the? What's the? Uh, I can't think of the poem, but the the line is, "One night at night on a horse, horse rode out upon a road." Ah. And it's like the like the repeating. trippiest. <laughs> yeah, it's the trippiest poem because when you read through it, you know all of these words. They're not all spelt the same, by the way. So, yeah. Like, that tricks your dyslexia. Um, but That's like the entire poem, <laughs> the entire poem does it. And it's like eight, eight things long, like four, four lines, mm -hmm. eights is, eight, oh my God. And then eight, eight Stanzas. other things long. <laughs> Thank you. Stanzas. Nice. Is that what you mean when you're saying like, try to see like that they can rhyme in the same line? Yeah. 
Uh, if horse okay. horse is in the same line, then that, yeah, that would be like, I can't remember the word right now. Yeah, that was all one but, line. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, night and night rode out upon a road. That's a pretty yeah. cool idea. It was idea. just like one of those. It was very annoying. But it was also really, it's like a super, fi- I'll find the poem and we can put it in the, the links below. But yeah, it was a super annoying poem in the sense that you're like, what? Why are all of these words the same? And then, but also it was like super funny about this poor knight who just doesn't get how to do his job. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, Rhyme and meter. So we were just talking about rhyme and meter would be kind of like how many syllables and where the emphasis is on each syllable per line. Uh, And you would really only care about that if you're writing a specific form of poem. So, you know, if you're writing a sonnet, you want it to be a specific meter and, uh, you know, it should sound... Pretty much every line should have the same beat structure. Um, So that really only matters if you're doing the form. If you're doing just a regular poem, the meter is up to how you feel. You can definitely still use meter and and be very specific, like iambic pentameter, you know? Iamb is a foot. So it's like, how many feet? How many steps are you taking? How many beats? Uh... Anyway, moving on. This is not English class. Uh, Punctuation and capitalization is the last thing I have on my list of, like, basics to start with for critiquing poetry. Punctuation, you don't necessarily punctuate in a poem the same way you would in a prose piece or in just, like, a novel or writing, you know, anything. You might not use punctuation at all. You might use it in weird ways. You might use it to make pauses and other distinctions that you, you know, you might not do in, in regular writing, like I said. Uh, in capitalization, what if you didn't have any capitals? What if you used um, capitals at the beginning of each line? That's kind of more old-fashioned scene, scene, what? Scene, scene. Uh, <laughs> seeming. It's a more old-fashioned seeming <laughs> now uh, to capitalize the beginning of every line, but For somebody who's writing in like a Word document or on a Google Doc, the first line, as soon as you push enter, it capitalizes the next line. So the first letter of each line is capitalized automatically. And so it can kind of seem like the mark of a beginner if every line is capitalized. Um, And you want to look at it again and say like, do I capitalize the beginning of like basically a sentence or an idea? Uh, a chain of lines that all belong together should have a capital at the beginning of one, and then the rest of the lines don't begin with a capital. Um, so just just okay. look at caps and look at punctuation and see how line and stanza breaks can replace a lot of punctuation. Uh, or, you know, use uh, the normal punctuation and, and see how that feels, you know. So those are the things. And are people realizing why I hate poetry? No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you can, you can write however you want. Poetry is whatever you want it to be. It's how it feels in your mouth and in your brain when you're reading it. Um, so just like a quick review of those, those items that you can look at to give feedback or to review your own poetry. Opening and closing lines. Themes and motifs. Cohesion line and stanza breaks, emotional response, 
overall meaning and interpretation of the piece, shape and white space, rhyme and meter if applicable, punctuation and capitalization. There we go. Oh, All right. one more thing, because the question was like, how do you get better? Um, reading other people's <laughs> poems. And I don't mean necessarily reading like, uh, like Robert Frost and uh, Emily Dickinson. I don't mean reading old poems. I mean, just like, even in your critique group, even if that's the only poetry you read, just other people in your critique group, that's okay. You're going you're gonna to grow by reading other people's poems and being exposed to different forms and different ideas and different ways to write stuff. So get yourself a good critique group. And even if that's the only place you read poetry, that's okay. Like, just keep reading because it'll make you better just to read other people's work, even if they're not famous. All right. Well, was there anything else you had for this? Um, I, yes, one thing, which is the thing I always say always is that, um, when you are giving critique to others or even critique to yourself, remember that the goal is not to make them perfect or make yourself perfect. The goal is to help them grow or help yourself grow and help them feel motivated enough to continue writing because you can't get better if you don't write, right? Like, Somebody no, might be crappy then they're right my now. competition. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody might be crappy right now, but they might be way better than you in three years if they keep writing and you just don't. So if you can mm. keep writing, you're going to improve just by just by virtue of, of continuing. Yeah. Or if you get them to drop out and then they never write, you're always better. <laughs> That's true, I guess. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. But yeah, so just just make sure that whatever you're doing, you're encouraging the other person to write. And so when you give critique and for yourself, make sure to point out the parts that you thought were awesome, the parts that you enjoyed, the parts where you saw what they were doing and you thought it was clever, the parts where, uh, you know, you can really feel the emotion in that line or it's beautiful you know they they used imagery and it was gorgeous they talked about this thing in this way that you've never thought of before but it's perfect make sure you talk about all of those things or how you can see how hard they must have worked on this piece or how the content must have been so difficult to get through and and they did it so awesome job there's always something nice to say about somebody else's writing uh unless they are absolute trash as a person and then you don't have to talk about how good their writing is because you know uh they don't deserve it but most people do most people do so make sure you're kind make sure you are being kind to yourself and not like a turd to yourself <laughs> and just whatever kind of critique you give to yourself or others make sure you also give nice things it's not all bad and you want to encourage people to keep writing and encourage yourself to keep writing. So that's that's it. That's all I have to say. Awesome. All right. So with that, do you want to close us out? Yes. Yes, I can. And I know how to for sure. So this will be easy. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. And we love that you are here and that you're interested in writing. We hope that you continue writing and continue growing as a person and a writer. Uh, you can subscribe, like, do all that down below. You can also find the links to the stuff we talked about in this episode down below. Uh, I think that's it. So we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.